What is going on, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of College Gridiron. I am Danny Scott, as per usual, here with Ryan Gregoire, Sam Davis. No Tyler Who today, but we got Sad. kind of a packed show. He'll be, he'll it's be, gonna be sincerely missed. Sincerely missed, yes. Mr. Tyler Who. We got kind of a rapid-fire show going today. A lot to talk about. Not a lot going on in the world of college football, but before we get into it, guys, how you doing? Uh, Danny, I'm doing well. Uh, like you said, it's a little bit of a lull period right now, you know, that we're waiting on. Obviously, the playoff, we're waiting on those New Year's Six Bowls. But we still obviously have, you know, the Heisman Trophy ceremony, of course, and I'm super pumped to get into that with you guys. And overall, yeah, excited uh, excited to just break it all down. Yeah, this is a house cleaning week. You know, we've already talked about there's not a ton. Yep. The games are a few weeks from now. The big games, New Year's Six Bowl games, we'll, you know, we'll touch on those. The playoff, obviously, still in the, you know, mirror ahead of time. But it's a nice time. We get to chat. I always love talking with you guys, so it should be a fun one today. Yeah, you know, and I know you guys got the I, I'm so jealous. So <laughs> so jealous. Danny, you guys I knew were, you, I knew you would be. You guys I, were I at the Heisman yeah. ceremony. You got to talk to all the candidates. Before we before we get into that conversation, just a quick word or two. How was that for you guys? I mean, I, I think I speak for both of us in that it was awesome. It was unbelievable. Um, it was really an incredible experience. Something when I, you know, came to FUV, when I came to Fordham, I could have never thought of doing. Um, you know, because you think about obviously the, the the pro sports in New York, you know, FUV and everything that you know we are, you know, blessed to be able to cover. But you don't think about the Heisman; that's not the first thing you think about. But obviously, an incredible you know ceremony there, an incredible experience. Being able to just get up close and personal, and even talk to some of the you know the finalists was really cool, really special for sure. Yeah, it's something where you know going to the event, I didn't really have expectations. I didn't know what I was in for, yeah. and I was blown away. Won the whole presentation, everything like that. Very fancy, very nice. You know, we were suited up. So that was always good. Oh, I yeah. love I love any excuse to put my exactly. Suit on. It felt very professional. You know, get to, yeah. get, to get dressed up and yeah. have a good time with yeah. dress socks, obviously, because I totally didn't forget them and wear white <laughs> socks and have to buy socks in advance some, for fifteen dollars. Some, some Vans fifteen. That totally socks, did not happen. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Danny, it was an awesome experience. I I could feel how jealous you are, but um, you know, we'll talk about it. Hopefully, that makes you uh, feel a little bit better. Yeah, we'll we'll get into that in a few minutes, but. The other thing that happened to you in New York this past weekend, Army versus Navy. And, you know, one of the best rivalries in college football. What a game it was. The under hits, once again, <laughs> 16 straight games where the under has hit. The line this year was at 35 and a half in the Beautiful. under hit. Beautiful. I mean, before before I get into everything, I know you guys were kind of preoccupied. But, <laughs> yes. But yes. from uh, from what you saw of the game, if you guys were watching, maybe some highlights. You guys got any takes that you want to bring up? Yeah, Army Navy. I mean, just the having it at MetLife was super interesting to me. I wasn't sure how that was going to be pulled off, considering you know when you think of Army Army Navy, you know, obviously having it at MetLife was was something new, and, and I think it's happened before, but it, it's not it's, in a long time. Not in a really long time. So obviously for for us, it's very new. It was. Um, uh, it was. It was. At MetLife because it's a 20, 20th anniversary. Versus 9-11, yes. Yes, okay, yeah. So that, like, you know, that atmosphere, and Mike Messina who, from FUV uh, was also there to cover that along with Nick DeLuca. They looked like they had an incredible time as well because that atmosphere just looked amazing. It always is for that game, and I think that is is makes it so exciting. And you know, no matter how good, you know, this year obviously Army being a lot better than Navy, 
no matter where these teams rank, they always play each other really close. It's always a close game. It seems like it's always down to the last quarter, even the last possession. So that makes the game exciting, and you know that you're going to watch and tune in just because you know it's going to be a great game. Yeah, this may be a cliche, but for this, it absolutely applies. It's more than a game. It always is more than a game, but, you know, the actual game, very interesting, a lot of back and forth. There's a lot of passing, I noticed. I I don't know, this seemed like there was a lot more passing than there were in previous years. Maybe in previous years, but still only 22 pass attempts for the entire game. To me, that seems like a lot considering the the, the offenses that these teams are. I've I've seen years pass where they throw the ball like five times. We also did just watch, you know, Bill's Patriots. That probably got us (laughs) To just not last last yeah. night, Justin well, Herbert and yeah. Patrick Mahomes. Yes. I mean, they're they're the the NFL and the college football has become a total air raid. It is all about offense yeah. now. That's why I That's love why this awesome. I love this game. It is what football is was was in in it's trenches. Yeah, it was it was what it was. A what it's what it was when it first started. Sorry, I can't I can't speak today. Um, <laughs> little little wiped out from finals, but yeah, only twenty two passes in the whole game, only eleven receptions. There was eleven passes caught the entire game. That is awesome. Yeah, it's gritty. It's tough. It's the trenches. You know everything that we talk about. If you're a football guy, like this is the game. This is your Super Bowl. This is this team Super Bowl too. Like Navy, you look at their year. Four and eight. It's almost like you beat Army, so it doesn't matter. It It doesn't doesn't matter as much. Also, like I was, you know, looking this up. Navy played the most. They played against. They played twelve games. Eleven of those teams were bowl eligible. Most in all of college football. So they stacked their schedule, right? I was, I was gonna bring that up. Sam, you mentioned Army is a better team this year. Well, Army didn't play anyone. Their their best their best two games this year were Wisconsin and Wake Forest. Other than that, it was all FCS schools, mm. kind of crappier of the FBS teams. And then you have Navy, who played Notre Dame, Cincinnati, Houston, SMU, and and, and three of those really and three of those games yeah. uh, outside of the Notre mm. Dame game, it was a one touchdown game mm. in all three of those. And one of those teams is in the college football playoffs. Yeah, no, I mean with Navy, the thing that's uh, I, I think. Um, you know, with their style of play and with their offense and the way that they work, you know, they, they take a lot of time off the clock, obviously, by running the football and the triple option. And that keeps you in games. You know, that keeps you in close games. And it's always interesting to, uh, for me to see when these two teams come together and they know what each other is going to do for the most part. Obviously, they play each other every single year. They both have, obviously, very similar offenses. But still, you see a little trick plays. There's a little, you know, I noticed that this year as well, in addition to a little bit more passing. Maybe still not a lot, but maybe a little bit more. Also, some trick plays, different creative ways to get playmakers the balls in, in, the ball in space, which I found interesting as well. You know, maybe whether it be passing behind the back of somebody to yes. get to a wide receiver. An end around. Getting right. them involved. Yeah. Exactly. They, they might not, you know, be the traditional trick plays we're used to seeing, but they are are still trick plays and, and and some of them actually you know worked really well and obviously the the fake punt I'm going to use yes. you know air quotes um that's not necessarily a trick play because it, don't get, that was that was not that was actually like not not that was not planned correct yes. well from no. what everything we've been told it was a complete you know a bad snap and that is unbelievable because I've seen that so many times now you know I've, I've been able to watch that at least that play a lot and that's incredible just, like, awareness to be able to pick the ball up from the snap and get that. I mean, that was that was amazing. But overall, I, I did notice that as well. A lot of trick plays and a lot of little, you know, things that these teams drew up because you know they put so much into this game. And their whole season comes down 
to beating Army or beating Navy? I would I would argue that they would rather beat each other than win the national title. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> I wouldn't go with that. I don't know about that. I don't know, I don't man. Know that, about that. That, is, that is the game of games. And before we move on to Heisman, because I want to hear everything that you guys have to say about it because I'm still super jealous. Uh, <laughs> Sam, your point earlier, Navy 34 minutes and 25 seconds of time of possession to yep. Army's 25-35. I have been saying time of possession is such an underrated stat all year, and once again it comes back who won the time of possession battle ended up winning the close game. Yeah, I mean, time of possession shows who dominated the game, and sometimes the score doesn't reflect it, and usually that stuff kind of evens out uh, later in the year. I remember the Michigan-Michigan State game, like Michigan dominated the time of possession. They lost the game. They ended up proving they were the better team throughout the year. But, yeah, you look at that, obviously, when you're able to control the game, like Navy was, I think, you know, for the second half, first half uh, not necessarily, it allows you to be more comfortable, especially in a game like this where these teams, right, like we have to admit they're limited. Their offenses are limited. When you're very one-dimensional and you're able to control that one dimension, you're going to win the game most of the time. Yep, I mean, like, I, I, I totally agree. I, I think uh, one more thing just to take away from this game is I respect Army-Navy football players just about more than, you know, any other Division One athlete in the country. I, I think the, everything that they have to, you know, maneuver in their daily, you know, we think we're busy. And I think about, you know, an Army or Navy football player and everything they do, you know, whether it be class, whether it be, you know, obviously all their – you know, responsibilities at the university. And then, of course, also being a football player. So that that is a lot that, that they have to do. Um, and overall, just a ton of respect for, for both sides there. I don't think I could have said that better myself. But uh, let's move on to the top of the class of this year's college football. As a shock to absolutely no one on planet yep. Earth, yep. Uh, Bryce Young wins the Heisman. Finishes the year with 4,322 passing yards, 68% pass completion, 43 passing touchdowns to only four interceptions, and adds three rushing touchdowns on the ground. What a season. He leads the he leads the Alabama Crimson Tide to the number one seed going into the playoffs. He had his Heisman moment coming back against Auburn that night. I believe it was 96-yard drive. 97-yard drive. 97 yards. To, to end up tying the game and eventually win that one. Um, but before I rattle off some more cool stats that Bryce Young did this year, uh, let's let's hear from you guys. Do you think this was the right decision? Uh, is there any the the other as before we before I turn it over to you guys? Um, Aiden Hutchinson finished in second. Yep. Uh, Kenny Pickett third. C.J. Stroud fourth. And just to round out the top five, Will Anderson, uh, Bryce Young's teammate. Up. Yes. Yeah. Um. No issues with the results whatsoever. Bryce Young was the Heisman. Right. Um, you know, there'll be a video coming out soon that me and Sam did a piece on yes, him. Sir. The ninety seven yard drivers Auburn that you talked about, Danny, that was his moment for me. And but then the thing he did after that was he followed it up against Georgia, dominated that game. Four hundred twenty one passing yards, yeah. three touchdowns against the best defense. They were in allowing football. under seven points a game yeah. going into that game. So for him to light them up the way he did, carry that momentum, he was the clear eyesman for me. As a sophomore too, I believe yeah, he's sophomore. only the fifth sophomore, um, something like that. I don't yes. have the number off the top of my uh, head. I believe it was fifth, first since Lamar Jackson in 2016. Yeah. yeah, and fourth quarterback. So, like, that's really impressive. Bryce Young, everything he said, he carries himself greatly, yeah. super talented, and it was it was the only choice, I think. You know, it, it's no secret this was probably a down year for the Heisman. Some Absolutely. of the guys we were talking about five weeks ago weren't, like, Kenneth Walker. He wasn't. He kind of faded. We had Matt Corral. He was, I think, seventh in the Heisman. Those guys kind of faded. Young had the ability to kind of grab it late in the year. 
But you give him all the credit in the world because he certainly grabbed it. Yeah, he grabbed it, and he and he did it in, in, in the perfect manner, in the perfect way, obviously. You said how important that Auburn game is. That Georgia game was just as important, if not even more important, for him to follow up you know, that game, obviously for Alabama and their playoff chances, but also for him personally. And the way that he went about attacking that Georgia defense was impressive, was something that nobody had done, has done to Georgia all season long, something we didn't even think was possible yes. to be done to that Georgia defense. So all the credit in the world to Bryce Young, obviously no surprise him winning the Heisman. And like you said, you know, I think being the first Alabama quarterback to win that award it makes it a little extra special for him, although the Heisman is incredibly special as it is. To get that little extra thing like, you know, I am the first Alabama quarterback, you know, at this, you know, at, at this program is just honestly incredible. And if I were him, I would take that as a lot of pride uh, for himself going forward in, in his career, because like you said, just a sophomore. So there's there's a lot left in store. For Bryce Young, this isn't the end of the road. You know, we obviously he's got playoffs coming up ahead, and then he also has next season as well. But overall, um, you know, the experience was really cool as well. You know, uh, Ryan got to talk to Kenny Pickett, which was really an awesome uh, little question Ryan asked <laughs> there. And uh, Thanks, I got to ask a couple questions to Aiden Hutchinson, which was really cool as well, um, considering, you know, you know, he could be that number one draft pick, uh, you know, in April. So overall, uh, just an awesome experience. And I couldn't be more happy for Bryce Young. He really made me a, a fan. And, and he also, you know, I, I'm rooting for all these finalists really going forward because they all seem like really good guys, uh, and really good people overall. Yeah, I, I mean, I wasn't there, but from what I've watched all year, Bryce Young seems like a very high-class guy. He's yeah. very talented. Like you mentioned, at the very least, he's going to be back next season. So Alabama continues to be scary. Um, one interesting thing that I saw, which kind of surprised me, he is only the fourth Alabama player to win the Heisman. Only yeah. the fourth out of Every great team Alabama's ever yeah. had, he's only the fourth. And I last year, Devontae Smith wins it. Yep. Derrick Henry and Mark Ingram are the other two. That kind of surprised me. They all come under Nick Saban. But I don't know. Is that is that as shocking to, to you guys as it is to me? I would think there would be like 15 from Alabama yeah. considering how I much mean, they win. I mean, his high school has one less than Alabama. There are three from his high yeah, school. Yeah. And now Bama has four, just took yeah. the lead. Um, yeah, no, I'm being like, this is Alabama. This is the Alabama quarterback. His the first time that's happened. I think that's the most impressive thing. I, yeah. I, Danny. Yeah, that's I. Um, you guys already kind of said that earlier, so I left that little and, tidbit. And here's out, here's the thing that Saban, because Saban was actually at the Heisman. This is another thing. Like we didn't even know that's happening. Yeah, and that and that I remember, you know, hearing that announced that Nick yeah. Saban was there, and I looked at Ryan like, oh my and goodness, my, yes, um, because yeah, obviously talk about legends. You know, that's one of them right there. And, so having him there was cool. And too. one of the things he talked about, which I think is really interesting, is how they've kind of had to evolve. They changed their philosophy. He said like seven years ago where it was defense, you know, it, it wasn't flashy, but they were just going to dominate you, and now it is flashy. Now, you know, they went spread, they opened it up. The quarterback has now become a much more important part of the offense. You remember, they were game-managing their way to national championships. Now their quarterback is the Heisman. Yeah. So they've had a shift, and I think that's what you see when, you know, you look at the Heisman. Last year it was a pass catcher. This year it's their quarterback. That really shows the shift that Alabama's had the last decade. And it, it's arguable last year whether Mac Jones should have won it over Devontae Smith, but yeah, I mean, what a year for uh, Bryce Young. I just, I have a couple more cool little tidbit stats that I was uh, doing some research. Um, Bryce Young this year, over 300 yards in nine games, mm. threw for at least two touchdown passes in all 13 games. Yep. 
Well, we pulled that stat yeah. exactly did for our piece. Did you also, write our script for our uh, Also, uh, yeah, I know. He's reading straight <laughs> off that for nine, his research. Huh? Nine games with three or more passing touchdowns and five games with four or more passing yeah, touchdowns. Yeah, I mean, the consistency with him is, is what struck me just looking at his numbers from game in and game out. You know, two hundred over 200 yards, two touchdowns every single game. That is really, really impressive, especially when you consider, obviously, Alabama playing in the SEC, playing really good competition week in and week out, that Bryce Young was still able to do everything he did. Uh, That was, yeah, overall really impressive for sure. I think, to me, the most impressive stat of his entire season was only four interceptions. Yeah. When you're you're playing in the dominance of the SEC, that defense, that culture, and you only throw four picks, to me that that is— And that shows maturity, too. That shows his ability to, you know, uh, make decisions and understand where he is in the pocket, all those things that I think NFL coaches look for in their younger quarterbacks, look for someone that's mature enough to hold on to the ball and understand what to do with it because we've seen some rookies this season— uh, certainly not know what to do yes. with the ball. And obviously, the NFL is a much different game, so I don't want to compare here. But that maturity level of Bryce Young certainly goes a long way, too. That was something, too, not to shift that. I thought all the candidates displayed great maturity yeah. on the stage. They, yeah, for you know, sure. They were humble. They yes. were acknowledgement of everything like that. So. And, yeah, because we're thinking, like, these kids these, these kids, are kids are our age. You know, they're they're, they're our age. Uh, I was, I was talking to my roommates about it. Yeah. Uh, this is the first time someone has young the he- won the Heisman that is younger than me. And, and it will not be. And (laughs) from from here on out, it's just gonna keep. From here on out, you're just gonna feel really bad about yourself every time (laughs) you watch that. At least for the next couple years. Well, that's that was me like a year ago. I mean, I I could be out there winning Heisman's instead. I'm recording the AOs for college (laughs) gridirons. Recording college gridiron. But uh, anyways, I think that's enough Heisman talk. Uh, We kind of great job by Bryce Young this year. What a special season. Uh, Just real quick, go over a couple of uh, tidy up things. Uh, transfer portal. It is a big deal going on now. It's almost like free agency. Uh, I just want to mention the top four quarterbacks. Spencer Rattler, formerly of Oklahoma, is now going to be a Gamecock at South Carolina. Quinn Ewers from Ohio State got beat out by C.J. Stroud, goes to Texas. Daniel Gabriel from UCF goes to UCLA. Adrian Martinez from Nebraska goes to Kansas State. Um, I don't really have a ton to talk about you guys have anything you want to mention in these um or should we move on to coaching carousel i mean the spencer rattler is is it's sad the way that crazy that situation crazy. Un, un, unfolded you know with everything going on with heisman talk with him and how good we expected oklahoma to be and they, you I know, they still figure things out favorite yeah like not not just a favorite the favorite yeah and then to fall from that to you know I mean, nothing wrong with South Carolina. It's a team in the SEC, but it's obviously one of not 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 one of the the the, the top teams in that conference. So certainly, I guess a way for him to reset, a way for him to rebuild and, and, and try and get back to you know what he used to be. It's definitely the thing you look at. Um, you know, I don't remember the last time someone had that high expectations that just flat out got benched for a true yeah. freshman, right? Like yeah. it's so rare. To see, I, I think it's a great fit, though. You know, it's a low-key SEC. Like, you're going to be playing gauntlets. You're going to be on national TV, but you want to have the expectations. I think it's great for him. Get a fresh start. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I didn't see him staying in Oklahoma with or without Lincoln Riley. I think he needed a change of scenery. So, you know, you hope that he can kind of piece it together at South Carolina. Yeah, you know, and some transfer quarterbacks have put together really great seasons. Jalen Hurts in years comes past. to mind. Jalen Hurts, Joe Burrow. Uh, Justin Fields, all Heisman favorites, yeah. all played really good. So maybe Spencer Rattler turns it around. Um, I know you mentioned Quinn, 
Quinn yes. Ewers. Um, he was the number one prospect, I believe, or at least the number one quarterback. Number one. Um, lost the job to uh, C.J. Stroud, goes to Texas, gets to play for Steve Sarkeesian. Uh, I think that's a good fit for him. He's from Texas. But uh, moving on to coaches, there were a lot, and I mean a lot, of big jobs that opened up this year. Oregon, Oklahoma, Notre Dame, LSU, USC, Florida, and Virginia Tech was on there. Duke is on there. there there's just so many. But the big ones that got filled, Oregon uh, lands Dan Lanning, the Georgia defensive coordinator. If you watch Georgia football this year, you know that's a good hot. <laughs> <laughs> you don't have to. You don't have to know much about him other than the fact that yeah, that Georgia defense was pretty good. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And Miami opened up. Who Mario Cristobal just left Oregon. Oh, yeah. I don't know if it opened up. It was pushed. It in. was. It was. Yeah. It was <laughs> pushed. In. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Oklahoma. Brett Venables. I think that's a great hire. If you know college football, you know who Brett Venables is. He's a great defensive coordinator. Been there with Dabo Sweeney for a number of years. Was at Oklahoma. Was at Oklahoma. Perfect he fit. Goes back and maybe he brings a son with them. I know DJ Uyunglele is very good friends. Who knows? Oh, I mean, whoa. Just throwing throwing some ideas out there. I don't know. <laughs> um, LSU snags Ryan Kelly from the Fighting Irish. Mm. Um, mm. You say that with a lot of pain <sighs> in your voice, Danny. <laughs> Notre Dame hires Marcus Freeman. <laughs> uh, what a what a hire for Notre Dame. You know, <clears throat> I was I was really. I'm upset. honestly curious though. What do you think Brian Kelly does uh, at LSU? How do you think he does? I mean, I mean, who knows? I, from everything that I've been seeing, from what he's been doing down there, he's an absolute clown. Yes, he's, he's a making a joke out of himself. He, yeah. he has he has turned into a meme over the past two weeks. The one yes, way to cure that has. though is with winning. Yep. So we'll yeah, see. absolutely. Yeah, I mean, if you win, but you know, the dude could never win the big game. So I don't know if he can do it at LSU either. Uh, but going back to Marcus Freeman, great, uh, great young coach. Yeah. Um, he pretty much kept all of the recruits. That's the big which thing. Which is the big thing. He, they didn't lose yeah. uh, many coaches. He's a player's coach. I mean, He's an absolute player's yeah. coach. He's already come out and said that he has at least talked to every single recruit that he or Brian Kelly recruited this year. That's He's awesome. already gone out and reached out to every single one. But uh, moving on, Lincoln Riley obviously goes to USC. That's the flashiest by that far. Is, that is by far that money and that perks is absurd. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and then Florida hires Billy Napier, who was the head coach at Louisiana. I don't know a ton about him, but Louisiana has been on the rise for the past few years, and I think you'd give a lot of credit to him. But uh, before we get on to a couple more little tidbits, uh, you guys have any other things you want to add? Any other jobs that you saw that were good or good hires? What's what's your favorite hire too? Um, the first thing I wanted to say, like my big takeaway, is that every coach is always a free agent in college football. Absolutely. Uh, you're never yeah. your contract means absolutely nothing. Guys are getting extensions, they're leaving a week later. Loyalty guys, means absolutely loyalty nothing. means nothing. Yeah. Guys are and you know what, I'm all for mobility and getting the best like job you can do, right? Like, yeah. What is Lincoln Riley owe Oklahoma if he's gonna get a hundred million dollars to hundred and ten million. Yeah. Oh, my bad. Only on <laughs> yes. I was off by ten million dollars. Like it's insane. Um, you know, so like I'm not expecting him to stay, but yeah. I think that's something we're seeing like no don't take a coach's word. Yeah. I think that's an important thing. Do not take a coach's word because you'll just get heartbroken like our friend Danny here. Um, <laughs> and he's rebounded nicely because Marcus Freeman's a great hire. Yeah, exactly. But for a few days, Danny was in the dumps. Danny yeah, was... I was I was uh, very not thrilled. But if you're Oklahoma and you're looking for someone to stay loyal, uh, you can reach out to me my email. No, I'm just kidding. I will take, <laughs> I will take way less money than Lincoln Riley did. I'll say that. Yeah. Uh, but recruiting uh, – 
the coolest story of the week. Uh, probably out uh, even maybe better than Heisman, which is awesome. Travis yeah, Hunter, I the think number is. one overall it's recruit. A, yeah, it's shocking. Gets it, flipped. It's, it's, I tell you, it's a lot more surprising than the, uh, than Heisman. the Heisman news. Uh, Heisman. <laughs> Gets fri- flipped from Florida State, the Florida State, one of the most notorious country or uh, colleges in the country, to go to Jackson State to play for Deion Sanders. And, and one of the reasons they're as glorious as they are is because of Deion Sanders, yep. uh, the alum, obviously, and the runner-up for the coaching job. And when he didn't get that FSU, like, you just look at it, what were they thinking? Letting Deion Sanders walk. He wanted that job. Yeah. They wouldn't hire him. Now yeah. he's flipping their recruits to an HBCU. It's awesome. Deion Sanders, he called the shot. He said the day before, like, I am I'm going, going to, to shock, shock the, the world. world. He shocked the world and then some. He really did. Yep. Nobody saw this coming. This opens up also, like, a ton of avenues in the future. You know, you see other kids do this. So, like, just credit to Deion for getting that kid. Travis Hunter now, you know, you look at the NIL stuff. That's been disputed. Like, he went to... Uh, Jackson State for Deion Sanders for the experience of an HBCU. There's no money, you know, anything like that. Um, I think that's important to say because there are a lot of reports out there. They yeah, there was a, a deal for over a million dollars. Barstool for three million. Yeah, I that's been know. shot down. Um, Dion shot that down. Dion doesn't like that because you know you got to give credit to Dion. He got his yeah. guy. He got the number. This isn't even just like a regular like a high recruit. This is the number one player in the country. Yep. So for Dion Sanders to do that, ton of credit, and I'm really looking forward to seeing how this story unfolds. I mean, I was sh- I was shocked uh, to be honest, like absolutely shocked. Like, I, didn't, I looked at the tweet. I'm like, what am I like? Is this a exactly. what, what is a little this? confused? Like, yeah. you know, what is he saying here? What's going on? Obviously, being very like number cryptic. one in the state, number yeah. one in yeah, the yeah, region. No, yeah. like number, number one, one. Yeah. in his position. Yeah, the absolute number and one. I, I think in the it's. Country. I think it's a really good sign of of where we can go in the future. I, I think you know, doing this as a number one recruit obviously makes this something that everyone talks about, right? And that serves as a really good. Uh, example of progress and I think a lot more recruits will start considering all of their options instead of automatically jumping to these big time programs and you know maybe if we have more good recruiters like Deion Sanders or, or others that will get these guys to consider HBCUs uh, consider FB, FCS schools I think overall it, it's really cool uh, for the future of HBCUs as well because when the number one recruit goes out and does that, it gives a lot of other guys the courage the to yes. to make that same jump. Because you got to think for him personally, obviously he's a little worried about the any sort of backlash or reaction he would face from. Why would you pass up Florida State? Why would you pass up you know a school in the ACC? Um, but to for him to go out and do that, I think sets a precedent uh, for for players in the future to do the same thing which overall makes this a really cool moment I think a really important moment for the future of college football overall yeah I mean I think maybe this is starting to stem from college basketball kind of allowing players to go into the G League allowing players to go overseas and play for a year it's just very interesting everything that's going on with college sports there's it's almost like it's completely like free agency now who's going to give me the most money where can (laughs) I go play uh what coach can I play for but uh, the class rankings, there are a couple of shockers that you guys, I'm going to just say the top 10. I'll mention a couple schools that you're like, where are they? I'll, I'll mention their rankings. Number one, coming in as the number one recruiting class after the early signings, Texas A&M. Mm. Texas A&M is over Alabama, who's two, Georgia three, Texas four, Ohio State five. Then at number six, Notre Dame, seven, Penn State, eight, Michigan, nine, North Carolina. And you guys ready for the weird one? Let's do it. Number 10, Missouri. Wow. Missouri. 
Yeah, number I don't I have no idea how Missouri did that. They are the bottom of the SEC, the yeah, worst the team bottom. in the SEC, and they go out and get the number ten recruiting class. Uh, well, for, I mean, you got to improve somehow, yeah. I guess, right? I don't know how they did it, but yeah. I have he, no idea. Here is the other thing I'll say: like the recruiting class does not mean it does not everything mean at jack. all because yeah. it's all about how you develop these players. Absolutely. Like Texas, you said there are four, right? When aren't they in the top five? Well, they're they're, they're in it a lot, but how often are they actually a top five team? Never, not very often. Yeah. So it, it's important to not put too much stock in this because player development. You look at a Cincinnati; it it matters so much more than I think yeah. people will sometimes give it credit for. Yeah. A couple of the other uh, big schools. Number eleven was Oklahoma. Number fourteen is Clemson. That's a little. The fact that, and I said this before we started the show, UNC is out recruiting Clemson in the ACC yep. is was the biggest surprise for me. Uh, Oregon, number twenty-one, and here's here's the weirdest one to me in the top twenty-five. Number twenty-four, Fordham. Oh, <laughs> that that I'd be happy. Ruggerts at number twenty-four. That's, that is just very, very strange to me that uh, that Rutgers could get a top twenty-five recruiting class. Look out for Shiano; he's coming. Apparently, man. <laughs> but uh, you know, with all that going on, there's still more college football this year. Um, before we get into your guys' takes for the New Year's Six Bowls, me and Tyler already gave ours, but I'll I'll add a couple things in there. There are some other good bowl games going on, and just. The few that I want to mention, the Alamo Bowl, Oregon versus Oklahoma. It's a great game, yeah. The Gator Bowl, Wake Forest versus Texas A&M. The Citrus Bowl, Iowa versus Kentucky. Holiday Bowl, UCLA versus NC State. Cheez-It Bowl, Clemson versus Iowa State. Outback Bowl, Penn State versus Arkansas. Uh, You guys have any other games you want to add, or are we good to move on? Uh, I want to mention, uh, of course, the Fenway Bowl. I got got to bring that up. (laughs) Having having a game at Fenway Park is... uh, an awesome experience. I mean, I wish I could go. I, I, I think I'm busy on that day. The first thing I saw when that was going to be a, a bowl game was I wanted to look at when that date would Ooh. be uh, to try and go to a game like that. I think having a football, a college football game, a bowl game at a baseball stadium, you know, they have obviously at Yankee the Stadium Pinstripe as well bowl. with the Pinstripe Bowl. Um, it's a very unique experience. I think it would be really cool to, to be there. And for the players, I think that's really cool as well to be in such a historic ballpark for a football game, uh, to be able to play in a game like that, not just go and watch a game. I believe uh, so I believe cool. there's one at Wrigley every year too. Really? If, I, if I'm not mistaken, I'm not I'm not 100 percent sure, I but I know so. I know they have played bowl games at yeah Wrigley maybe in, in the past. past yeah, I know this is the first this is the first year I know of that they've done a bowl game at Fenway. They've had college football there in the past, but it was always like regular season. They never had an actual bowl game there, so that's. I'm cool. pretty sure two two years ago, Notre Dame versus Northwestern. They yeah. Played at yeah, yeah, yes. yeah, 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 yes, yeah, yeah. But uh, New Year's Six Bowl. Or wait, wait, Ryan, did you yeah, want to? I just wanted to say one thing. Anybody in your life who tells you that there are too many bowl games, cut them out. <laughs> Do not associate with them. It's a great thing. The bowl season where you wake up, you're watching college football. It's eternal. You go to it bed. It started today, and it football. ends, uh, you know, in a couple, in what? I, I think a month. Yeah, it, we it, have it's like, really like a whole a month. Golden, a golden uh, age. The yeah. only thing that outbeats bowl season is March Madness because yeah. Yeah. March Madness is, is awesome, but bowl well, that's season. That's not a fair comparison. That's, that's, yeah, not, not that's fair. the only thing that it can, I think it can even compare to because mm. there's just game after game after game after game. This is heaven for Danny Scott. For this, three this is what heaven times. looks yeah. like for him. This is awesome. Yes. I love this. This is this for is, everybody. I mean, it's all. Yeah, I, I I love being able to just turn on the television and there's a football game on. You know, instead of being like, oh, you know, 
obviously we know when big games are in general, but to just be like, oh, this game's on, let me turn it on and watch, I think that's that's always awesome. Absolutely. But going on to the top, top of the bowl games, the New Year's Six, the Cotton Bowl, Alabama versus Cincinnati, the Orange Bowl, Georgia versus Michigan, those are the two playoff games, obviously, the granddaddy of them all, the Rose Bowl, Ohio State versus Utah, the Sugar Bowl, Ole Miss versus Baylor, Fiesta Bowl, Notre Dame versus Oklahoma State, and the Peach Bowl, Pitt versus Michigan State. Uh, let's just start off with you guys in the Cotton Bowl, Alabama versus Cincinnati, number one versus number four. Uh, who do you guys think is going to win? How do you think this game is going to go? Uh, we talked about it last week. Tyler and I actually think that Cincinnati is going to make this a much closer game than people are giving a lot of credit for, but I want to get your guys' takes. Yeah, um, so I, I think it's important with a few weeks out, you know, we'll talk about it in depth a lot more, but just early thoughts, you know, this is a big test for Cincinnati, and it's it's important because obviously they're the first group of five team in, so you need you really want this game to be competitive, and the first round of the playoff has just historically not been competitive whatsoever. It doesn't matter who you put in there, and so just for that reason alone, I, I hate doing this, I'm rooting for Cincinnati, I'd love this to be a close game, I can't see them Keeping up with Alabama, I see Alabama's defense giving them too many fits. So Alabama's just playing too, you know, too well football. The way they play versus Georgia, it's hard for me to overlook that. I'm rooting against my opinion here, but I do think Alabama will probably, you know, win double digits comfortably and not really Cincinnati. I don't think from the start will really there won't be an avenue for them to win. Let me say that. Yeah, I'm with you, Ryan. Overall, I I don't see this being. Uh... I think it'll be a comfortable game for Alabama. I don't see it being a point where Alabama is going to have to sweat sweat yeah. this out as all at all. Um, with that being said, I think Cincinnati can make this a respectable game, um, and I think that's important. Obviously, being outside of the Power Five and setting a precedence for the future, where you know you want more teams outside of the Power Five to make it in, and maybe with the expanded playoff, that'll be much more. That'll be a lot easier. Um, but I, I think they have an important, you know, kind of job here that they maybe didn't want or maybe didn't sign up for that they have to be able to kind of stay in this game to make it respectable which they can do um you know the thing with Cincinnati is we know they're good we don't know how good they are um you know with their schedule with the teams they play we don't know how they'll match up with a team like Alabama which makes it hard to sit here and say exactly what's going to happen but with how impressive Alabama looked against Georgia it's really hard to pick that this game will even be close. And to me, that is just the bottom line with this one. Before we move on to the next one, there's just two things I want to add. I think right now Luke Fickle is probably the second best coach in college football mm. outside of the guy he's playing yeah, against, facing off against, yeah. and Nick Saban. Yeah. So if there's anyone that I think that can come up with a potential game plan to beat Saban, I think it is Luke Fickle. Mm. Yeah. I was going to look at it the other way because I would say the one thing with Cincinnati is they've had the coaching advantage in every game this year. This will be the first time where – you know, you really and the player don't. advantage. Yes, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that is the everything advantage except uh, this game right here. Yes, yep. and then the last thing I didn't mention this last week. It just popped into my head when you guys were saying this. This what Cincinnati has to go through reminds me a little bit of what Notre Dame has had to go through when they're in the playoffs as well, where they're saying, "Oh, if they can't win the game, they're going to be kicked out." If if Cincinnati doesn't win this game, could this be the last time we see a group of five school? I think in, I think they need the to playoffs. keep it close. That's kind of what my point was earlier, because I yeah. think if they get blown out, it'll be the thing where, let's say, next year— They don't we, need to win this game. No. 
If there's another, I think they need to keep it within two scores. If there's another team this next year who's like a group of five, who's you know has the one big win like Cincinnati did, they could just point to, well, look what happened last year. You know, we did what you guys wanted. You guys have been asking forever. We finally put the group of five in, and look what happened. So I do think it's really important that they are competitive. I think uh, fourteen to seventeen points if you lose by that many, and and I think that is realistic. I don't see that as completely, you know, a blowout and embarrassing. Obviously, it depends on how the game yeah, goes. Yeah, yeah. So we don't really know. You know, that points could be deceiving. But for me, overall, like, a, a score within that range where they lose, I, I don't think that would affect those chances too much going forward. It would only be if they really, you know, get outclassed and outplayed, which I, I don't know. I, I don't think that'll happen, but it very well could because Alabama right now is playing their best football of the year, obviously. Absolutely. And another team that is playing their best football down the stretch, Michigan. Yep. Michigan versus Georgia in the other playoff game. Um, it's a toss-up, honestly, right now for me. Uh, both team, Michigan is playing the best football maybe out of anyone in the nation. Yeah. And Georgia was the most dominant team all year. So to me, this game is who can keep on track. Can Georgia get back on track? Can Michigan stay on track? Uh, before, I guess, I just... There's not a ton on this game that's like at this point. At, at this point, but what do you guys think? What's going on in this one? I'm gonna go. Sorry, Sam. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna go Michigan because they know what they are more. They know they're right right now with Georgia. Here's the thing with the quarterback. You know, you don't really know what you're getting. Is JT yeah. Daniels gonna play after missing most of this year? Stetson Bennett. We saw him struggle a lot versus Alabama. Michigan knows what they want to do. They're gonna run it down your throat. Um, you know, Cade McNamara is not going to try to do anything. He's not. They can play. I, Georgia, we saw them having to play from behind. It really didn't work. I think Michigan will be able to control the clock with their run game and make Georgia make throws that they're not capable of making. So as of right now, I like Michigan. Um, obviously, you look at Georgia's defense, I expect them to bounce back in a big way. So, you know, I'll lean Michigan for now. I think it will actually be a good game, unlike the first game. But I could see myself swaying. But right now, I'll go with the team who's playing better football going in Michigan. Yeah, I, I think... This game and this matchup is really interesting because Georgia is a, is a hard team to figure out right now with how well they played all season. And then obviously just what we've seen against Alabama in the SEC championship, you're not sure exactly what you're going to get from the offense. And I, the defense will respond. They will bounce back. But obviously on the offensive side of the football, the advantage is clearly with Michigan in that running game. So that's why this matchup is so interesting. I'm really curious to see. I think this very well. I would be shocked if this wasn't a good game. Just the matchup and everything leading into it makes it seem like this game is going to be very close. Um, I hope I'm on gridiron again so I can actually have a definitive pick. Uh, I'm kind of on Ryan's boat and leaning a little towards Michigan. But I've been flip-flopping. I've been going back and forth in this one because I really don't know. And, and also another thing with these playoffs um, is the time, but uh, the layoff between your last game and it's, yeah. uh, it's obviously the 31st, it's a huge amount of time and you don't really know. That makes these games a little bit more unpredictable, I think, especially early on in the game if a team comes out a little flat. Um, you know, who knows how these teams are preparing and what's going on mentally with both of these both of these teams. So that creates another interesting element to this that is just like really difficult to predict as well. 
Yeah, I I completely agree. The only thing I'm going to go against you guys is I'm I'm a toss up, but I'm kind of leaning Georgia right now. And the only reason that is is because I think Kirby Smart is a better college football coach than Jim Harbaugh. I think he'll get those guys ready to go again and get back to that defense that we saw all year. But uh, let's burn through these last four real quick. Rose Bowl, Ohio State versus Utah. I think Ohio State should be able to win this game. Um, the question is, is can C.J. Stroud get back on track from where he was earlier in the year and kind you, of fell you, off I think the Utah end? has more to more to play for in this game, though, considering Ohio uh, State. Uh, Ohio State's season lost. Yeah, they, they just lost their season. Meanwhile, Utah has been playing good football lately. They've been killing Oregon every chance they've had at them. So I think they'll, have a, they'll be a little bit more fired up for this game. Uh, but, I mean, it, it is at the same time, it's the Rose Bowl. So if you can't yes. get fired up for a game like if this in an environment, then, that, I mean, point. you're that's in the exact, wrong sport. That's exactly what I'm thinking. And if you can't get fired up for the Rose Bowl, like, yeah, leave. Yeah. <laughs> the one thing I'll say on all these games, and I think this could, looking at Ohio State with how much NFL talent they have, the opt-outs. Um, you know, it's still a little too early, so we don't know. We know Kenny Pickett, Pitt, Pittsburgh, uh, Pitt's quarterback, officially opted out, I think, today or yesterday. Um, we'll see a ton more from NFL guys. Ohio State definitely has more NFL guys than Utah, so we could see some of yeah. those seniors, juniors opting out, making this game a little more even. That's something I think you look at throughout all these bowl games. Yeah, and if Devin Lloyd for Utah opts out, that's a big, big hurt to that Utah defense. Um, the Sugar Bowl, Ole Miss versus Baylor. I think this is a really interesting game. Um, Baylor, the... Big 12 champion versus Ole Miss, who had no shot at it because the two teams <laughs> in the playoffs. But uh, I think this game is kind of it's, – it's very, very close for me. Uh, I think Ole Miss is probably the better team. Uh, and yes. just because of Matt Corral, I think he's going to prove why yeah. he's going to be one of the top probably think, three yeah. quarterbacks taken this in this year's draft. But what are you guys' thoughts? Um, I'll go with an SEC team over Big 12. That's exactly what I was going to say. Yeah, I, I just, I, I'll put a little bit more faith in Ole Miss and everything they've done with the season, especially being led by Matt Corral versus a Baylor team that had a very nice season, obviously Big 12 champions. That's nothing to scoff at. But overall, yeah, I'll take an SEC team over a, a Big 12 team for sure. All right, last two. Uh, my game of the week, Notre Dame versus Oklahoma State in the Fiesta Bowl. If you guys listened last week or have listened to a single episode this year, you know my pick. I'm going with Notre Dame. I think Notre Dame has more to play for than Oklahoma State. Uh, they want to prove to everyone that they should have been in the playoffs. They want to prove to everyone that they made the right hire. They're going to be amped up, and I think they win by at least three scores. This is another. This is a really interesting game. When I saw this matchup come out, I was very excited to watch this game as well because um, I like how no, oh, you know Notre Dame and then Oklahoma State. You know, obviously they lose the Big Twelve championship game, but these two teams were in strong consideration for the playoff. They were kind of just on the outside looking in, both of them at times. Um, so that's what makes I, this pairing really interesting and exciting to see, really, who's the better team, straight up. So I, I think overall, you're right, Notre Dame has a lot to be playing for in this game, especially the way Oklahoma State lost that Big 12 championship game, heart, you know, heartbreaking fashion. Notre Dame is going to come in really fired up, and, and that leads that leads me to, to believe that the, uh, Notre Dame will definitely beat them here. I think Notre Dame with Marcus Freeman, I hate, you know, saying this to you, Danny. I think they, I, everything you said, I agree with. Um, <laughs> I don't know if they stomped them the way you said that, because I think, okay, State's really talented. No, I, I think it could, I think it'll very well be a close game. I, I don't see Notre Dame losing this game. I just yeah. really don't. I, I, I do not see a way that Notre Dame loses this. Uh, the last one, Pitt versus Michigan State. Who can score more points? 
Yeah, I that's, mean that's what it is. I mean, right, score more points? Uh, as of right now, we know Kenny Pickett, my guy, because I stalked his Instagram and asked him a question. Of course, um, he opted out. You know, I'm I'm for opting out of these games. You don't want to see another injury ruin your NFL stock, especially a guy like him who came into the season fringe NFL guy, had yeah. an amazing year, just boosted his stock, made himself millions. Yep. Um, you know, I support that. It's a bummer though. Like I won't lie, it, it's unfortunate. Yeah. But yeah, I'm gonna go for sure Michigan State just with that news. Yeah, no, I mean that that obviously is a complete game changer. Having a Heisman finalist, uh, you know, back out like that, and I do understand that as well. Uh, it's a little bit of a bummer from a selfish fan perspective of oh, I was looking forward to watching this game. I don't know, you know, now you know it seems a little bit more lopsided obviously in Michigan State's favor, but still, it should be an interesting matchup as well. I think it kind of, for for me, it depends on if Kenneth Walker is playing. If he opts out, then I think it's a complete toss-up. Uh, before Kenny Pickett decided, I said Pitt. Now I'm thinking Michigan State, but who knows where everything is going to end up. Yep. Uh, we will definitely have at least one more episode before the New Year's Six Bowls, and we'll give our Absolutely. definitive picks, but I think that is going to do it for us today um our producer today was julia moss i am danny scott for ryan gregoire and sam davis have a good day